Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library, and today I have a guest on, familiar face, Chris Word. Yes, yes. And we're going to be talking about what is it really like in running a business, because Chris has experience with actually running a convenience store. So it's always good to have those conversations about what is it really like. Yes. Because different people often talk about like they want to go into business and... Unfortunately, I find that some people have these fairy tales about how they think the business is going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it's always good That's to have true. this real talk. So before we talk about, you know, your experience with the convenience store, okay. like what's your background before that? So before the convenience store, and unfortunately this time it's a little weird to say, but I will say this. I'm a student of the whole Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki book. And that meant that you would first start off with one piece of real estate, then you get a second piece of real estate, then a third. And then as those rental properties build up, you then take that profit and buy something that brings you more, which would be like a convenience store or some retail shop. So that was my history being real estate. And then the reason why was to try to turn the real estate or rental property into something more profitable being the convenience store. Okay. Okay. So when it came across, like you were looking at convenience stores, like what was that process like of finding out like, Hey, that's the one I want. Well, it was, it was pretty interesting because it didn't start off as a convenience store or a gas station. It started off, we were thinking about a laundromat, something that turned revenue faster than the monthly cycle of rental property. So I started out, went online and searched for businesses that were for sale in my area. A few laundromats came up, a few gas stations came up, and I think a janitorial service. So there are several options out there. And then when you look down at each of them and its profitability, its area that it's in, and even down to the level of how fast does it turn in the outlook, the convenience store became the one that stood out. So we isolated the laundromats because People are still using them, but not like they used to in the past. And a lot of the apartments in the area come with laundry services, either in the building or in, actually in the unit. So that was kind of out. And then so that convenience store just took out as this is an option. Okay. Okay. So now when you came down to, I guess you say, locating that convenience store, were you kind of just online doing your own research or were you working with a broker? Like, how was the searching process to even get there? Yeah, so it came up where it, it was me. I was online doing uh, my own research. And there's several websites out there for restaurants. It's like WeSellRestaurants.com for businesses. You got Biz Buy Sell and a few other brokerage. I don't remember the names of them right now, but a few other biz websites have actual businesses for sale. So I found this particular one on bizbysale.com and it's by state and county and even industry. And then from there you reach out to the seller's broker. Okay. And then that seller's broker gives you the information about the actual business that you're looking at being the gas station. Mm -hmm. Now the one thing to keep in mind is it's the seller's broker. Yeah. So their interest is the seller's interest of selling it, not necessarily the buyer's interest in getting the most information. So you have to kind of vet that. Mm -hmm. But it's different than real estate because the buyer in real estate will bring their broker. So now you have two brokers and two people of interested parties trying to buy that, that buyer sale. But in a business uh, transaction, you don't really have a buyer broker. 
Gotcha. You can get one, but what my understanding and what I learned is that that buyer broker won't really be able to get more information. Yeah. They won't add any more value or okay. even have any more experience. Um, kind of teeter on that, but you basically work work with the seller's broker. Okay. Okay. Now, one of the things that I guess some people ask, or maybe they get fatigued in the process. So one of the questions that comes up is, how many businesses did you look at before mm -hmm. you got to the one? Well, <laughs> honestly, I can't even tell you. Now, in that particular situation, I can say there were five businesses on the table when I started in December of 2016, 2017, 2016. There were five businesses on the, on the table when I was kind of isolating it down in that time period. But when you look at all the businesses that I've looked at before in terms of getting the non-disclosure agreements, getting the information, driving past them, going into the store, looking around, trying to get an understanding of the business and then saying, not interested, hundreds, okay. maybe even thousands when you take in all the time that I looked online to see what is this, what are the details that they're providing and then taking that baby step into that walk into actually buying the buying the store so yes we bought that one and yes at the time it was just that five but i've looked at hundreds mm -hmm. or maybe even i would say thousand before then okay because that's one of those things that i think people get a little i guess you say unclear on like even when talking to people about like buying stocks where they're like hey you know i just found this one stock and mm -hmm. i always ask the question like how many other ones did you look at because mm -hmm. you need something yes. to compare it to yes Yes. So now when it came down to actually buying the buying the store, like what was that buying process? Like what would what would you tell somebody, hey, these are the things you kind of need to be prepared for in the buying process? So the process was very interesting. I, we had the store that we were interested in and it was kind of almost the momentum started and then it just you just rolled with it. So. We had the store, we called the seller's broker, we scheduled a time to go by and see it, and they walked us through the store like, hey, you want to buy it? <laughs> and unfortunately, I went in thinking they're going to look at me and be like, you're not ready to buy this store, I'm not going to take you serious, but they treated me as if I was going to buy the store, and I acted as if I was going to buy the store. So I was a little shocked at how inviting uh, the situation was, I guess, considering or expecting something different. And then from there, I called a small business loan or financing company and said, hey, I'm interested in this store. This is the price. This is what I think it could do. This is who I am. This is what we have. And he was like, come on in. And we sat down with that lender and we told him our story, my wife and I, and told him the real estate that we had, told him our interest in buying it. And he was like, okay, I'll do the deal. <laughs> and I was like, that's it? Wait a minute, hold on now. You need anything else? And so once he said that, the ball rolled. We called the seller broker back, said we got the financing, and they put down the offer. We made an offer, they accepted the offer. Now I will say this to your listeners or, or viewers, the offer process is not like real estate. It's not like that that negotiation or, or haggle in some situations where real estate prices X, you offer Y, and then you kind of meet in the middle or you throw in a little extra or you kind of do some incentives, we'll leave this and all that. It's not like that when it comes to a business. For instance, 
seller says this is my price you say okay i want to offer this seller says no that's the end of that <laughs> or the, so there's no back and forth is the point that i'm that i'm trying to make there and you can come in and say based on the finances or what i see in the business the business is really worth this amount and the seller says okay this is my price so you have to be either willing to go all the way in and feel like there's opportunity or walk all the way out and not be ashamed or embarrassed or disappointed in walking out and that's the process once you okay. Agree to that price. You have your 30 days to do your due diligence, research the books, come in, work the business if you want, do the inventory account if you want, just validate everything that you have. And then from there, you go to closing, you bring your money, they bring the keys, and you do that count on the day of. So at 6 o'clock in the morning, the day of closing, we met at the store, we counted all the inventory, counted all the money put it all together, came up with the final price, and we went to closing, and that was wow. it. Now, how, how in-depth of a finance background do you think a person should have if they're looking at buying and investing, I mean, an existing business? It depends, and I say that it depends for two reasons. One, if you're doing a service business where your passion is healthcare, line service, or... I won't say accounting because that's inherently has a finance background or janitorial service where you want you have a passion for that service. You can just have a passion for that service. You don't necessarily need to have a finance background to go into it. It will always help. But you can come in with your passion and still buy a business. But I would say to that person that you should have and finance person or an accountant in your circle, board of directors, circle of influence, or whoever that can provide you that information. So you can properly do projections. You can properly calculate revenue and your price per square foot and all of the things that you should consider. The other thing with that is one, having a passion too, not necessarily having been in the service business, but a retail business, you should be financial, have some financial acumen. Okay. Because you really need to look at prices and cost and employees and payroll and taxes and vendor prices. And you really get down to the profitability of the business. And for those type of retail things, it really helps for you to have an, an understanding. Mm -hmm. Because to have someone tell you that it's important is different than you knowing it's important. Yeah. All right. Now, what was it like when you actually took ownership of the store? Now, it's your store. Mm -hmm. You're in charge. What were the work hours like? <laughs> so I would honestly say I loved it. I loved it. From the moment we, when we closed and I had the keys and it was, it was my store, I wanted to spend every hour there. I would spend every minute there if I could, but I'm married, so I can't. <laughs> but... I would have because I enjoy, I personally enjoyed the interaction with not only the employees, but the customers and having that connection to the community where the store was located. I really felt like we were a part of that community and I still remember names and faces and, and all of that. But you can't spend every hour there. You can't spend every day there so or every minute there. So 
with the convenience store and the gas station being 24 hours, there is a part of time when it's still going while you're at home. So that first week was stressful because one, I felt like I need to be there because it's my store. Two, how dare I watch TV when I have a store? Like, I should be at the store. Why am I watching TV when I should be there? I mean, I'm wasting time. Like, I could be doing something more productive. I could be generating another dollar. So that first week and month was very hard because I, I had that to balance that. How can I sit at this restaurant and enjoy this meal when there's, there's money to be made? And so I, I struggled with that. But I would say that I worked probably 60 hours there i was trying to get there not necessarily first thing in the morning but maybe around nine and i would work until eight or nine and then go home and do it all over again but in that first week you're trying to learn it as well and that's another thing i didn't have any experience as a convenience store owner before i bought this one so i was trying to do on the job training from day one and what, are the employees trying to cheat me? Are the vendors trying to cheat me? Is somebody trying to steal? Like, what's what's going on? Who, what you doing? Where you going? Who's coming in that door? Why are you in the back all the time? So it was a lot to balance. Okay. Now, <clears throat> when it came down to you know, figuring out all those relationships with the vendors, I mean, since mm-hmm. it was your you know your first convenience store, like, what was that process like? I mean, just did you were you given a list of hey, here are all the vendors we work with, or did you have to kind of figure that piece out on your own? No, as a part of closing, they generally give you a list. Uh, these are the vendors that we work with. These are the schedules. So this is a learning lesson, a hard lesson that I had to learn. It hit me upside the head. Where with real estate, you come in and it's the same thing. It's a monthly cycle. You get paid between the first and the fifth, whatever that, that cadence is. You pay your bills and then you wait. And as long as the tenants don't call, that was a good month. We just wait till the next month and do the same thing over again. But when you deal with retail and it turns a lot faster than that, every day a vendor was coming in the door and their their routes were, it, they would hit our store at 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. So me coming in thinking it should work pretty seamlessly as real estate was naive now it did in terms of the scheduling but i as the owner can't just sit back and and wait and wait for it to happen because for instance your your one vendor comes in what's their best interest is to bring as much product and sell it to you as they can so as a new owner the vendor comes in and they have a truckload of new products you don't know these new products you don't know if they're selling you don't know the turnaround time that they have or the shelf life of your in your store. But if you're not there to review that list and to determine, I want this, I don't want that, then they're just going to drop it off. Your employee's going to write a check <laughs> and then they're going to take off with the check and now you have all this inventory that may or may not turn. Some of it will turn, some of it won't. Mm-hmm. So that was the lesson that I had to learn is what what is the vendor's motivations and goals and it's to sell me this product now one of the big differences between an independent store owner and your quick trips or chevrons or shells is that as an independent store it's just my store and 
the vendor comes in and says, you have one store, so this is the pricing for your store. You're at the C level. Gotcha. So you, for a bottle of soda that sells for $1.99, your price is $1.20. So you're like, okay, I wish I had more stores because if you were an A or a platinum or a gold, whatever rankings they have, their unit price is $0.99 cent or $0.75 cent because they're buying in bulk. But you're not. You're just buying this delivery every week. So because you can buy so much, the price comes down and they're able to make more money off of the sales of that same bottle that they sold you a dollar twenty for. They're selling Quick Trip and all the other big stores for eighty nine cent or the multiple unit stores for a better price. So that was one of the hard lessons that I had to learn. So I was like, oh, it should work. They, they made the delivery. OK. And then you go look and you're like, what? What's going on? Well, they're just bringing you all of their junk. And they're taking up the space for the things that would sell. But you're just taking it because you don't know any better. I didn't Mm -hmm. know any better. So, Mm -hmm. hard Now, what was it like um, owning the store during the midst of a hurricane? Oh, (laughs) Because so, you have the, you know, for I guess well, since we're on the East Coast, you got your fuel coming out of Florida. Yes. When hurricane season hits, you know, routes yes. from Florida are not as easy yes. or are not as consistent. Yes. What was that like? That was another hard lesson. So in that, you try to, what I learned in the, in the gas business is that you don't compete with the store across the street with you. You compete directionally. So... Because all the traffic in front of my store ran outside of the city, I was getting the, the flow of people that were leaving work going back home, where the, the store directly across the street was getting all the people that were coming into the city uh, in the morning on their way to work. So my deals can't be coffee because I'm opposite the, the flow of traffic. So my deals were on like food. And I say that because around the hurricane time, time i was trying to use them as a guy on pricing because i was at the time the only store on that side of the road so if they drop their pricing in the morning then i can raise my pricing at night because i'm catching the people who need gas on their way back home so i was like oh the hurricane's coming i want to make sure i have enough gas so i don't run out but i want to make sure i buy at the just the right time, like uh, that that daily price that the the fuel prices come out every day, that price just a little too much. I'm gonna wait on that one. I'm gonna buy right now. I'm gonna buy right now. So I bought gas at one price, expecting the hurricane to come in, people to rush to the gap to the pumps and try to fill up, buy water, buy food, and all these snacks as they're going home on their way to prepare for the hurricane. And what happens? It doesn't come. So now I got tanks full of gas that I bought at a higher price and I can't even sell them. So I'm sitting here just waiting on this hurricane to come where everybody else is freaking out. I'm hoping that it hits and hits hard and it doesn't. So that was a that was a hard day. But it may eventually make up for it because you bought that gas and now you're fully stocked. And so you'll get it back over time. But you're hoping to fill up at the right moment so that you can sell it off now. And then when the when the hurricane passes, you can get the price lower. And the, yeah, anyway, but yeah. 
No. Were there any other any other things, strange things out of ordinary that happened during your time? Yes, yes. I mean, there were many. We had someone steal our lottery box. Oh, wow. We had um, several people coming in stealing cases of beer. And that was a lesson for me as well because immediately you think, how dare they steal from me? <laughs> so I remember one time I ran out the door. Give me back my case of beer. <laughs> How dare you give me back that case of beer? And I'm like, these Coronas, that's like $20. What you, what you doing? But then at a point in time, you realize, is it worth it for that $20? Now, I don't want you to steal. I, don't, I, I have to put put things, controls in place, that's an accounting term, so that it prevents you from stealing. But how much is it worth me to run out the door to chase down a $20 case of beer? Is it really worth that? I even got up to the car, and I was like, nope, 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 never mind. You can have it. You good. I don't know what you have in here. It's okay. Enjoy. But the, uh, so we had, we had uh, several people stealing cases of beer. That was like a common occurrence. We had someone overdose in the bathroom. Oh, wow. That was an interesting call at 1130 at night from the, the third shift employee. Boss, boss. Yeah, somebody just OD'd in the bathroom. Wow, what do you say to that? You need me? <laughs> No, we're good. All right. Because <laughs> I guess, who do you call when that happens? Well, they called the ambulance. So by the time I kind of picked up and was there, the ambulance was already there. Okay. And I was like, it, it was 1130. What more can I add to the mm. scene than nothing? So wow. it was kind of like, is everything, I mean, unfortunately, everything, the person passed away, but the employee scene, he was, he was okay. He dealt with it. But... He was okay. So I'm like, there's nothing more I can do just to run there and watch. Mm-hmm. So I just stayed at home. But gotcha. I wasn't able to sleep after that. It, it's it's weird. We had a shooting. We had a robbery. We had, it's, it's a part of the, one, the community that we were in, unfortunately. But it's also part of the business as well because it seems like an easy target for people to rob a convenience store mm-hmm. or try to get something out of, out of a convenience store. So with all of the, I guess you say, the challenges, learning lessons, would you do it again? I would. I would do it again, but I would do it at a different time in my life. When I had a have, have, I'm sorry, when I have more flexibility to be at the store. Now that I know more and learn and have learned a lot through that experience, I think I'll be better equipped. And I would also be looking to buy multiple locations to try to take advantage of those deals mm-hmm. as well, because that's where you would make your bread and butter. A lot of the other businesses that I see that are successful have multiple places or you try to cut your expenses down. So it's hard for me to have a full staff and I just sit in the background because if I work in the store now, that's one whole 40 hour a week employee that I could cut out. And I can save that income. And then if you try to negotiate your prices down, now I'm making a better margin on a lot of my products. But if I don't want to work the cash register and I'm not really pushing on pricing, then I'm losing on both sides. So that's where you see a lot of people working in their stores is because Mm -hmm. that money is their money to take home. It ends up becoming their salary plus all the other profits versus a more passive owner. Okay. You have to pay for that. Okay. Now, before we wrap up, 
One question I ask everyone that comes on to the show is, when you think about your entrepreneurial journey, whether it's specific to the store or just in general, mm -hmm. like what type of lessons did you learn that you would say, hey, you know what, every entrepreneur should learn these lessons if they want to be successful? That's a interesting question because I believe that no entrepreneur will come into being an entrepreneur without learning lessons. And does it's sort of like, hmm, I'm say this and hope I hope I get it right. It's sort of like raising a child. I'm about to start that process, <laughs> but I'll say it myself. It's sort of maturing from becoming a teenager to an adult, young adult to an adult. Where you think you know everything, then you get in and you realize I ain't know anything, and then you get in a little more, and you're like, I didn't know anything at all. <laughs> so one of the lessons that I would tell a young entrepreneur, someone that wants to become an entrepreneur, is understand what you know and don't know, and accept that, and be comfortable in that. Don't feel like you have to know everything, because then you're not going to be able to be in the room. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. The best entrepreneur understands this is what I'm good at. And these are the people that I brought around me to cover my gaps versus saying, I don't need anyone. I can do it all on my own. And that's where you get taken advantage of. Mm. Oh, I, I think that that is great advice. Well, Chris, thank you for coming on the show. Thank Absolutely. you. For the, <laughs> thank you for the wisdom and the perspective and the, like I said, the real story of what it's really like to run a convenience store business. Cause I think, People will have their own experience, but I think it's always good to have a real life story because I hate for people to jump into a business and just be completely surprised by the reality of what they just stepped into. Yes, yes, I agree. And like I said, I, I loved it. I would do it again. There were some great moments. There were some moments where I felt like I couldn't do anything to help people. And there were moments when I feel like I had to just be the jerk and be the business owner and say no so it's a hard balance I, I can't say that i was the best at it but i did give it a, a good shot awesome awesome well thank you for coming on Absolutely. the show Anytime. and that concludes another episode of the business talk library thank you so much for tuning in you can connect with us on any social media platform instagram at business talk library linkedin you can follow the business talk library hashtag you can also connect with us on facebook and youtube searching for business talk library if there's any topics that you would like addressed or any questions you have about your business or your career path that you would like for us to answer on the show feel free to shoot us a note on any of those platforms and we will try our best to get to them. Remember, keep it simple.